Jonathan Fors, creative partner at Pearl Fisher, speaks to the challenger and iconic brand owners who have used creativity to dare to be different, who have addressed their fears and taken the risks that have enabled them to reap the benefits of success. Today I'm speaking to Seth Goldman, who is the president and CEO of Honest Tea, the company he co-founded in 1998 with Professor Barry Nailbuff of the Yale School of Management. Honest Tea has been credited with being the number one and fastest growing organic bottled tea brand in the USA. And in March 2011, the Venturing and Emerging Brands Unit of Coca-Cola North America completed the purchase of a minority stake in the company, the first organic and fair trade brand to enter the Coca-Cola portfolio. So, uh, welcome, Seth. It's great to have you here today. Um, I'd like to start out by asking you that uh, when you started out at an early age, we, uh, we found that uh, you, you, know, you were doing things like working on lemonade stands and doing paper routes. Do you think people are born entrepreneurs or do you think they can become them? And, and if so, what qualities do you think they need to possess? You know, I, I think everyone has some entrepreneur in him or her. I think they, um, you know, that what happens over time is either they sort of get the, the that risk uh, quotient sort of uh, numbed or, or, or neutralized. Um, but I, everyone I speak to, you know, will always tell me about some idea they had, uh, maybe they wish they had created or, you know, in an ideal world, something they would have launched. Um, and so I think the difference is, you know, is when people, um, you know, get, it's the people who sort of get an idea, give it a try and, and, uh, you know, either have an experience that makes them interested in doing, doing, building on it or perhaps retreating from it. So, uh, so, you know, you were kind of driven by, um, a desire to, 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 you know, get your own brand, um, out there. And um, in 1998, when I think you launched Honest Tea, um, organic was quite a big buzzword at the time. It had been kind of growing and growing and growing during the 90s. And um, You know, it wasn't there yet. In 98, it was still very um, far off in the distance. We, uh, you know, what happened was um, when we started, all we could get was organic um, sugar, but the, there wasn't the USDA organic seal, and there were a bunch of different certifiers. And as a result, the term, it was, I think it was still a little far away. It, it wasn't, you know, it certainly wasn't something that had a, a common definition. Um, and, and to the extent there were organic consumers back in 1998, they were doing it to save the planet. And I think a big shift that happened over, um, you know, sort of the, 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 the ensuing five to six years was that um, people understood that organics could also be a way to save themselves. So it it it, it is um, it certainly evolved a lot um, since we started, but uh, we were a much lonelier voice back in 1998-99 when we started talking about organics. So, what was your reason for launching an organic tea beverage? You know, if there was if, if it was so kind of like confusing and, and relatively a, a small a market in yeah. the U.S., what was and what was yeah. the, the success was behind the way you positioned it? Yeah, well, there's a few things. Number one, for, for us, it really starts from a belief. You know, we just think that uh, the, our the global ecosystem is better off without you know uh, persistent chemical toxins that um, you know are are designed to kill uh, living living organisms. And that's that's what a that's what a pesticide or a fungicide or an herbicide 
is designed to do. Um, so we think our ecosystem is better off when we have fewer of those chemicals out there, and, and ultimately we think our bodies are better off that way too. And then one thing we learned very early on was that the tea leaf in particular, um, how, about the growing process, so tea leaves are one of the very few agricultural products that, that, are, that don't get rinsed. So when I, if I pick a conventional, I mean, non-organic apple or tomato, I can take it home and I can rinse it off in the sink and, and, uh, or peel it, and I'll get a lot of the surface chemicals off, you know, off of it. But with tea leaves, they're never rinsed. So tea leaves are, are, are dried. Uh, they're, they're picked and they're dried. So if any chemicals are sprayed on tea leaves, they're going to stay on those leaves until hot water is poured on the leaves to brew the tea. And so those chemicals are, you know, washed into the drink basically into the tea that you'd, you'd, be, you'd be drinking. So um, for us, that was a pretty clear um, uh, proof point to say, you know, organics is, 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 organic tea in particular is, is going to be important to our consumers. Now, you know, as, as a, from a marketing perspective, that's a, a long story to, to tell and to communicate, but so we've got to find ways to, to make that clear to people. And, and so, what do you think was the the, uh, the success behind the way you actually did make that uh, clear to, to people, and, and the way and the way you positioned it? What's that? Well, we're still working on it. You know, I mean, all the studies show that American consumers still don't really understand what the term organic means. They 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 often associate it with being more expensive. There's other studies that show that they think the term the term natural has more meaning than the term organic. You know, organic is a federally enforced term. Natural is basically just, uh, you know, doesn't have any real meaning to it. Um, so we've had to find other ways to communicate the values of, of the term organic. So, you know, you'll have heard us, we use a phrase, uh, nature got it right, we put it in the bottle. And so um, we're trying to communicate the values and the attributes of organic without necessarily using the word organic um, and then we've just launched a uh, advertising campaign called Refreshingly Honest. And among other things, we have one video ad which highlights, you know, some fake ingredients trying to get into a bottle of honest tea. And they don't get in. And then, you know, we make the point that we use organic ingredients, organic tea leaves, organic uh, fruit in our products. And it's interesting that what you're saying there is, is how people – um, get confused by terminology and words, and yeah. uh, and, and your solution seems uh, uh, to be using much more emotional um, kind of language to get around the functionality of uh, of, of kind of organic versus uh, yeah. a natural. When can, let me, I'd like to just talk to you about uh, brand naming um, because it's a subject which I feel is one of the hardest creative tasks, um, as because it's such a subjective. Um, issue to come up with 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 a name or words and and you know design of course can 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 really kind of make a the perception of a name look completely different to how it may look when it's just kind of just word processed on a on a on a on a piece of paper. But um, so why did you come up with or how did you and why did you come up with the name Honest Tea? Yeah, well, for one thing that's, that's especially important to keep in mind, especially for a challenger brand, a smaller brand is when you have as few resources as we had starting out, you know, in some sense, your brand and your package are all your marketing. <laughs> they're not just an important part there. They're the, <laughs> the whole deal. So you really have to make sure what your, um, what your, your name creates as much of an expectation of, of what the consumer is getting as you can. And so 
um, when we, we, the name actually came from my co-founder, Barry Nailbuff. He was my professor in business school. And we had, um, you know, when I was a student in, at, at the Yale School of Management, we had talked about the idea of creating a less sweet drink. And then I graduated and worked for a few years, and then we, we got back together. And um, I said, you know, I want to launch a beverage company that has, you know, with less sugar in it. And he had just come back from India, and he had done a case study of the tea industry. And he'd actually been at a tea auction where um, he was sort of hearing all these different people talk about tea and sort of was playing around in his head with different tea words, and the, and the word honest tea came, came up. And, and what was kind of funny about it was he, he was doing some um, consulting for Tata, which, as you probably know, is one of the large uh, largest tea companies in the world, and they had asked Barry, what could we do to, if we wanted to sell tea in the United States, how would we do it? What would be a strategy? And he gave them this name, which they declined to take. <laughs> they actually ended up buying Tetley. Uh, but Barry said, well, uh, you know, when I, when, I, when I got back in touch with him, I said, well, I've just come up with this name. And so for me, it was the perfect connection between what I had wanted to sell. Uh, and then also it, 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 it implied in the name is also a, um, a connection to a mission-driven company. And that, for me, really connected all the dots. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic name. Um, it, it, you know, it works in terms of at every level, and, um, and, it, and it's great to say as well. Um, so it's interesting, you know, here we are kind of, um, you know, a, a good few years on. Um, it's also this year the 25th anniversary um, of the best-selling book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. I don't know if you've ever read it. My question is, okay, well, my question is, is, is fear good in your mind? And when you launched, <laughs> and when you launched Honest Tea, did you feel the fear and do it anyway? Yes, and I still feel. What's funny is that I still feel the fear. So that's that's kind of you know you might think that's a little odd now that we're part of the Coca Cola company, and but um, you know uh, the fear is is kind of what keeps driving you. I mean, you can put another word on it, but but for me, it's this feel. There's an urgency I feel, and sometimes I feel it about um, you know the. the Sort of the plight of the American, uh, the health of the of of our the United States. Sometimes it's around competition. Uh, sometimes it's around what's going on with our environment. Um, but but I wake up every morning with an urgency, and I so I um I bike to work every day, and <laughs> I have a, a a sort of a mile long stretch uh, on a bike path just before I turn off to get to work, and I often find I'm kind of speeding along in the path, and it's like I got to get there, <laughs> and dig in on it, so. Um, you know, I don't. I, I don't think fear for fear's sake is is good, but fear with purpose um, certainly keeps you focused. And and it's and I will say that as I as we get, you know, part of larger corporate organizations, I do see people who yeah, they're they're not phoning it in, but they don't wake up with that fear. They wake up with sort of a, che- a, a checklist <laughs> to punch off, and it's not. A, and, and there's sort of boxes, and they're checking them off, and they're not thinking about what's beyond those boxes. And when you, when you can think about um, the broader set of challenges that maybe not just your company's up against, but our society's up against, and you think about what your role can be in it, um, the boxes. There's more boxes there than there are check marks. <laughs> so, 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 talk to me about some of the, um, you know, the the bigger uh, creative risks that you took when you were, you know, starting out building Honest Tea. Because, as you've already said, you know, when, when you start out as a challenger brand, you you basically, you know, your your pack is your billboard, and uh, 
your name and everything like that. So you have to you have to be quite resourceful. So tell me some of the things that you that you did. Well, certainly the biggest you know the biggest risk. I mean, there's so many risks along the way. Obviously, the first one was trying to launch a business in an industry that's incredibly crowded, incredibly competitive, and where the players are literally thousands of times larger than you. So that's always a challenge. But then. You know, we, we went in with um, a product line that was dramatically um, less sweet than the competition. And look, we all know that sugar sells. Uh, you know, the, the sweeter the drink, the more people <laughs> like it. That's just a fact. So, so we were going into, um, you know, a category where, um, you know, like we sort of had one hand behind our back. And yet we knew if we could, tie, if we could build something meaningful and we could get a um, – uh, some traction, we had a dramatic point of difference. So, but there was a, there was certainly a risk to that. And and 14 years ago, it was a we were a pretty lonely uh, voice in the wilderness selling um, less sweet drinks. It just you know, and that's the thing to keep in mind. I mean, the whole landscape has transformed since then, and I'd like to think we played a role in it. But 14 years ago, the average calorie profile of a bottled tea was easily 100 calories per eight ounces, and so we're out there with 17 calories. And it was just a, uh, <laughs> as they say, you sort of heard the crickets chirping because. <laughs> so, so, so that was, uh, you know, that's a risk. And you do the little gut check, and you say, are we, you know, are we so far? Are we sort of being too daring in this? But, um, and then, you know, that was that was so that was one point of risk. The other was organic because we were then saying, okay, not only are we going to sell a less sweet drink, but we're going to make it our ingredient, our cost of goods is going to become more expensive. And then the next point of risk was fair trade, and we said, okay, well, we we know we got a less sweet drink with a with more expensive ingredients, and we're going to take it up another notch by putting in fair trade ingredients. Um, so there's always been those, and 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 then for us, we continue to um, create, you know, sort of things that do take scary steps, whether it's innovating on new product lines like um, uh, Honest Aid or Honest Kids, and then Honest Kombucha or Honest Coconova. So we're we're certainly not afraid to fail. Uh, we don't like failing, but it's part of challenging ourselves to think about what we can what we can do. And as there's one of our favorite quotes, it's on a, one of our bottle ca- bottle caps. It's by Frank Scully. It says, "Why not go out on a limb? Isn't that where the fruit is?" Uh, Which is a, a great a great a great metaphor for kind of as you say for the benefit for the uh, benefits of, of taking uh, risks. Yeah. So uh, well, I mean, it's, you've you know you've you've kind of clearly. Uh, done you know, some amazing things, and uh, you know we now obviously know that you uh, you still operate as a standalone business, um, but you're clearly you know wholly owned and part of uh, the world's largest beverage uh, distribution system and uh, and company Coca Cola, and uh, we you know we understand and it's been documented how Coca Cola has helped you with your expansion and your distribution. But thinking about it the other way, do you feel that honesty has brought something to the Coca Cola partnership? Yes, yes we have. So part of it is just uh, our thinking, which is just we just go, we just think about the business differently. We we bring an entrepreneurial approach. We do things that larger corporations aren't inclined to do. So one of them that's going on this year is this great recycle initiative. Um, here we are, you know, at, collectively, and I, now I talked about the whole Coca-Cola company, where we're literally um, creating billions of packages, single serve packages. And most of them are not recaptured, um, and so uh, meaning they're 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 thrown out. You know, the national recycling rate in the United States is is around thirty percent. 
And so there's a lot of waste we're creating. And we've, uh, the Coca-Cola company has declared a commitment by 2020 to be package neutral, meaning we, we, we have either recaptured or recycled every, you know, the same number of packages that we're, that we're creating. Well, if we're at 30% now, we got a long way to go. So mm. we have launched, um, we did it earlier this year in New York City and next month we're going to Seattle and, and then to, um, I think to Rochester, New York is the next site for our great recycle events where we put a 30 foot high recycling bin. Uh, this, uh, in New York, we put it in Times Square. In Seattle, we're going to put it near the um, Space Needle and um, try to collect in a day as many bottles as we sell and uh, mobilize parts of the population, or whether it's school groups or uh, offices or clubs, um, to, to get involved in recycling and to think about what we can do as a society to capture it. And so we started this on our own, but now... Where as we go to these other cities, Coca-Cola is participating as well. They're both co-sponsoring it, but they're getting their other brands involved and, uh, you know, are joining in this. And then uh, other influences, you know, certainly around organics. We now have four Coca-Cola pa- uh, production facilities that are certified organic, um, and they weren't certified organic before Honesty came. So, um, and then, of course, you know, through all of the bottler systems and, and their uh, warehouses, uh, the, the product they're putting on the shelf, they now are offering our lower sugar, organic, fair trade drinks to their consumers. So, you know, we are now part of the portfolio and, and part of part of the offerings. And, and it's and, and, and we're proud to say it's also a competitive advantage. So when when we're talking with some restaurant chains, we're now able to offer, you know, the, a Coca-Cola advantage that some other competitors can't offer in terms of an organic bottled tea or organic uh drinks for kids indeed and um just staying with this kind of um this relationship and partnership that you've now uh, got with uh, coca-cola um it, you know for some brands which especially start out kind of with a um a, a worthy or an ethical kind of dimension to their brand when, when they when they do get acquired by um a, a larger you know a more iconic say brand and you know, I'm thinking of brands like Green and Blacks, which got, got acquired by Cadbury and, and, and now Kraft. Um, they, they clearly benefited, and you've benefited from from working with with, with these, or uh, you know, by partnering with the iconic brand giants. But um, but this idea of sort of being perceived as selling out can actually kind of be uh, you know a, a negative unless it's managed properly. And clearly, you're doing a lot of things to sort of um, you know retain. The, uh, the special qualities of, of honesty, but I just wanted to ask you about um, the decision to sell. Was it a, was it actually a hard decision for you, or did you feel it was kind of for the for the benefit of, of the of the brand and consumers generally, or was there another reason? Uh, so we you know uh, we were uh, ten years into the business, and so we had certainly um, understood what we needed to do to make our you know, to, to escalate our mission, to make it um, the impact broader and, and, and deeper. And we understood that distribution was critical to that. And we had actually been involved in some discussions with other um, multinational food and beverage companies, which we didn't, you know, sort of come to agreement on, but did help clarify for us what um, kind of arrangement would make sense. So uh, when we did get the call from Coca-Cola, we were, um, as I said, we were very clear with them. And it wasn't, it wasn't a... A negotiating tactic. It was just saying, look, we, we aren't interested in selling, uh, back at this was in 2007, but we are interested in a, in a partner who can invest and, and provide resources 
and give us access to distribution, but will let us continue to, to lead the brand and drive it. And, uh, you know, they, they said that they were open to that. Uh, and so we basically got everything we were looking for in the partnership. And I would say that's still the case, you know, and including, uh, you know, through today. So, um, you know, obviously there was a risk we took because it's conceivable that we could have said what we were looking for and they could have said yes. And then they could have changed the, you know, they could have not lived up to, to, to their word, but they have. And so, um, so for us, it really has, 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 we've realized the hopes that we had in the transaction. And we're, I would say still, you know, it's still, we're still, I mean, the transaction's closed, but we're still in the process of realizing, you know, all that we hoped for with this brand. Um, and there's, there's a long way to go because, because as I talked, said earlier, when we talked about that urgency, there's a lot of, there's both a lot of need, but there's a lot of opportunity um, for us to keep building what we're building. And, and, you know, it's interesting. Someone said to me, uh, well, you know, usually when you sell a company, you go, the entrepreneur goes and, I don't find starts golfing or whatever it is. <laughs> well, number one, I don't golf. I said, but number two, I, I launched this business because I had a, a belief about what what we could do and 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 a real passion for the cause. And just because we sold, you know, why why does that mean I'm any less passionate about it? Why would I believe in it any any less? So, you know, this is just the 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 good news for me is that after ten years of you know, a lot of times it felt like we're banging our heads against the wall with distribution. Now that part of it is solved, and doesn't mean there's still not challenges, but it's just that part of it at least has gotten uh, easier. So it's, it's good to hear you talk about your passion. Um, so I'll come back to that at the end of this, actually. But um, you know, I, I wanted to so because you're describing you know your passion for taking the brand into into the into the future. And, um, I, you know, you and Honesty have been continuously recognized for impressive growth and your mission-driven practices. Both your personal and professional credits are, are you know, both a pretty impressive list of sustainable and social initiatives that change the world for better. So just staying with this theme and your passion, how important is the future uh, bigger picture to you? Do, you? do you really think you can make a difference as a brand owner? Oh yeah, uh, it, wait, I'm sorry. In the brand owner, do you mean by that Coca-Cola or Honest Tea? Honest Tea. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, it's funny because <laughs> we've been at it 14 years, and and especially when you, as you may know, in the beverage business, you we talk about years here as dog years. So you could argue we've been at it. Uh, what did it be? 90, 98 years. Um, but I still feel like this. You know, as we like to say, our tea party is just beginning. I mean, we are just. Now, starting, you know, most Americans still don't know about this brand. We have, we have, uh, we're in over 50% of the, you know, I'd say, the, the, for example, the grocery accounts around the country, but we only have about 15% awareness. So we have so much upside. Uh, and, 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 and when you look at the trends of where the, the American diet is headed and where people are moving toward with, towards with respect to health and environmental consciousness, um, we are absolutely positioned where consumers are heading. So there, there's so much more that we can do. And then, you know, that's that's just in the United States. So, and, and, is you know, tea is the world's second most popular beverage, second only to water. So there's a, an entirely additional layer about what we can do around the world. Now, for now, we're focused on the United States and um, the need and the opportunity we have here, which is still dramatically uh, larger than where we are now. 
Sure. So recently, um, yeah, I, you know, I read that uh, consumers suggested that the brand needed more standout on a shelf. Um, my question is, were you right to listen to the people and redesign what, as a designer, I consider to be already a successful brand label? Um, and, you know, in doing your original label, you created a new visual language in the beginning. So, so why did you uh, redesign it, and, and what has the result been? Well, you know, it was a very interesting process because, and I'm sure you come across this all the time, people, it's very easy to get comfortable with where you are. And, and you know, if it's working to some extent, that's, you know, uh, often people are just satisfied with that. But going back to that continual, <laughs> I hate to use the word fear, but it's probably, <laughs> that's where, like, you know, what we don't want to do is get this, this is our, you know, you only go national once, and we realize as we're going national here, we our, our product just isn't popping the way we think it could. And, and as we looked at, more closely at the label, you know, we realized we had this um, black uh, bar with white font on it, and that was a more recessive presence. And then, and then when we looked, um, our honest aid line, which is a, a very um, effective, um, you know, top, strong selling part of our line, didn't have the family look of um, uh, the comp- connection to our T line. And then on top of that, you know, more, more, uh, really more deeply. You know, we've always known, well, not always, when we started the company, we, we thought of ourselves as a tea company. And it was only in, um, you know, the emphasis on the word tea. And then uh, I'd say about five years into it, when we started to see Honest Aid and then Honest Kids grow, we realized the most important part of our name wasn't tea, it was the word honest. And so then we thought we really need to bring out that word honest and, and make that stand on its own, to so literally make it um, the top line of our drinks. And whether it's tea or aid, those are important, but they are all part of the honest name, or for that matter, kids. And so we will be, um, you'll also see with Honest Kids, which is I'm um, going through a package <clears throat> refresh as well, coming out in October, the the whole family now takes that honest word and puts that as the, the emblem of the brand. And, and, and obviously to emphasize that, and then um, in the graphics of the label, you know, really highlighting the fresh ingredients, um, the connection, the closer connection to neighbor. So to nature, so you, you were trying to um, visualize the idea that nature got it right and we're putting it in the bottle. And you recently redesigned your bottle structure, um, and I believe that was to cut costs and the impact on resources, which is always, um, you know, a, a good thing to do. But the, you also brought criticism on yourself from consumers who thought that the capacity was being compromised and that they were... Yeah. Be- they were being deceived, prompting yet another structural redesign. So yeah. my question is, how do you reconcile decisions like these? Is it sometimes hard to stick to your principles in situations like that? Well, it was a good lesson for us. You know, I think we, we one lesson was you just can never take things for granted. So we just assumed, oh, look, if we're able to cut 22% of the weight out of a package, then consumers will give us credit for that. And what we learned is they're not going to give you credit for it if you don't explain what you're doing. And so... Uh, we made a lighter package, but as a result of it being um, thinner, uh, we had to um, put an inner dome to sort of maintain the rigidity of the product. And people looked at that dome on the inside, and they said, oh, no, you're trying to sell me air. You're, you're deceptively, you know, sort of, it's just like when you buy a bag of uh, chips, and uh, inside there's, you know, most of it's air. You feel like you, you haven't been given a, a, a fair deal, or at least in our terms, an honest deal. And so um, we 
the first step was to, to explain that to consumers, and we did put on a message on our bottle explaining, you know, why there was a dome and what we were doing and the fact that we were saving, you know, basically over the course of a year, a million pounds of, of, of resin, which is mostly petroleum-based. Um, but, but then the next evolution, which I think was ultimately an even better one, was to, to get yet another mold, which got rid of the dome. And this was just a case of the, the technology evolving. Um, and that mold does not uh, look deceptive in any way. And, and in fact, we were all, the, the extra bonus was we were able to put a message on the bottom of the bottle about how our uh, brand was established in 1998 in Bethesda, Maryland. And that's, that's especially fun as this brand continues to, to reach, you know, new parts of uh, the country and people still have that messaging on the bottom. As you say, it's amazing, you know, kind of um, how uh, sometimes by doing the right thing, you can do the wrong thing. But the important thing that you've told me is, is that, you know, you kind of listened and learned and kind of addressed that, which is kind of, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the quality yeah, that I, I see, you know, uh, going over and over again with honesty. So uh, we're nearly done. I just wanted to now just ask you a couple of last, uh, two last questions, which is, What's the best piece of advice um, anyone has ever given you that you would want to share with an entrepreneur who's starting out with a big idea? Mm. Well, let's see. There's a, there, there, a few that come to mind. I've, I've been so fortunate to have just some wonderful advisors and friends. Um, one of them was uh, Jeff Swartz, uh, who was the um, CEO, chairman and CEO of Timberland, the footwear and apparel company. And he was on our board when we were really getting started. And he, he continually uh, reinforced to me a few messages. One was, uh, build this brand like you're going to own it forever. You know, and that just meant this was it, whether you were going to be living with it. That never, you know, do something. Always do what you're going to be proud of. Don't ever take a short-term opportunity or short-term decision that may have commercial benefit but isn't really going to uh, be. Uh, building something that you will be proud of and you will always believe in. And so um, that, that mindset, it just changes the way you think about your decisions and it changes um, your decision-making structure. So it, it really is the very longest-term thinking. And, and um, you know, I, I, I recognize that I may not own – well, technically, I guess you could say I don't own the brand even now, um, although I certainly still feel like I do. Um, but it's still uh, – you know, a brand that is um, something I believe in, you know, with every fiber of my being. And and and, and uh, I, I don't feel like there's been, you know, compromises to what we've done. Um, well, that's great to hear. And I think it's evident in the way the brand, you know, presents itself in, 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 uh, in its activities that, uh, you know, you're preserving that challenge of spirit. And, uh, you know, as it, as it grows to become, you know, potentially, you know, iconic um, across, you know, not just America, but may, maybe abroad. And that's, it's a great, a great quote to sort of bear in mind, uh, I think, for, for entrepreneurs. So my last question is, passion or business acumen, which is the most important and why? I go with passion every time. You know, um, you just, <laughs> this is, it, it just takes, it's such hard work. And it takes, you just have to be so dogged with it and you will inevitably be knocked down nine times and as long as you can get up ten times, um, that will over, overcome uh, almost everything else. Now, obviously, you try to make the wise decisions, but, you know, if you don't necessarily have all the uh, information, 
um, if you're really passionate, you should be able to inspire and attract people who do have the knowledge and, and, and can really uh, stick with you. If, if you have um, business acumen, but you just don't have the passion for it, it's, 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 there are other ways to, to, to make money, but, but, but being an entrepreneur is not, that, not, not well suited to someone who's just smart without passion. Well, that's very eloquently put, Seth. And um, I think that, that's it for today. It's been great talking to you, and congratulations on, on building such a, a great, uh, greatly admired and loved brand in America. Um, it's one of my favorites. I think from a design point of view, it's always stood out, and from a product point of view, it's always delivered. So um, keep up the great work. Um, Seth Goldman, President and CEO of Honesty, thank you very much for talking to me today. Thank you. I enjoyed it.